As certified financial planners, we've seen firsthand how financial wellness is connected to other areas of wellness in our lives. Join us as we explore the relationship between our physical, emotional, and financial well-being and share the habits and tools we found effective in the pursuit of a balanced, intentional life. I'm Lauren. I'm Donna Grace. This is Life Rebalanced. Spencer Snakert is an executive transformation coach, trainer, and speaker. She helps visionary entrepreneurs and conscious world-changing leaders break through barriers to their next level of success so they can profitably and sustainably fulfill their mission to make major impact without giving up what matters most to them. Spencer has trained and coached in personal and professional development for nearly 25 years. Her transformative programs cause profound and lasting shifts in participants' lives by getting to the heart of what drives us what holds us back, and what it takes to be truly fulfilled as spiritual beings having a human experience. Spencer has a degree in psychology and extensive training and leadership in ontology. She is a professional certified coach and a yoga instructor and brings a sense of play and humor into all of her work. Spencer, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me here. My pleasure. I've really been looking forward to our conversation. I know there's so many things we could talk about, but I have a question for you to start with. Okay. I know part of your background, and I'm hoping you can share with our listeners a little bit about your background, but also I have to admit that I had to look up the definition of ontology. Yes. And I was hoping maybe you could touch on that and explain to the listeners what that is. Yes, you're not the only one. It's not a very common term. So ontology is essentially the study of being, of who we are as human beings and how we show up and how we come across. And it really is about, as the saying goes, we're human beings, not human doings. And so ontology really gets to sort of the essence of what drives us and who we are as those beings. I sort of live by that quote by the French philosopher that says we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So yes, we are human beings, but I think the beingness of us really comes more from our our spiritual essence or our spiritual existence or our soul sort of basis. But so ontology really yeah, gets into those realms of it, not so much what are you doing, although doing and action is certainly a big part of what I work with my clients with, but really what drives what we do and how we do it and how effectively or ineffectively we do it is who we're being in the process of it. Okay. So the both components, when you're working with your clients, and I'd love to hear more about what that looks like, you're working on removing some obstacles to being who they are. Is that fair to say? And then that shows up in what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And there's another quote that I'm forgetting the exact wording of, but the gist of how I approach it anyway is that our thoughts often is what drives who we're being. And then what we're thinking, which is driving who we're being, is what's impacting what we're doing or not doing, which then is impacting what we have or the results that we're creating (laughs) or not, as is sometimes the case. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it really starts with the thoughts which become beliefs You think a thought enough times and you look for enough evidence to support it, which we do as part of our inherent design. We don't consciously think, oh, I'm going to go find evidence for this. Although maybe some of us do occasionally. (laughs) Some of us really like to be right and we know it. So I'm not saying nobody does that. But for most of us, it's a subconscious thing that we're always seeking evidence for what we already think, which then really sort of locks it in as a belief. And then the beliefs really 
create the openings for possibilities or the lack of. Like when somebody thinks something's not possible or, well, this is just the way it is or it's, that's not going to work because blah, blah, blah. It's like we have all of our reasons that we're sometimes very right about (laughs) or we think we're very right about, which really then determine what we do or don't do. And in some ways I would imagine it's this, I mean, what you're describing is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Absolutely. I tell my kids all the time when they say, I can't X, Y, and Z. And I always remind them, if you think you can't, you are correct. Yeah. But if you think you can, maybe you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My kids get a little annoyed when I say that. They're like, don't use your Jedi mind tricks on me. (laughs) (laughs) I love they call them Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, exactly. I think Henry Ford was the one that said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And that's totally true. An example of this, if people are like, what on earth are they even talking about? Or people maybe get the concept, but don't understand how it shows up. An example of this was a client I worked with from the very first session. She said to me, she's like, oh, I'm not one of those people that wants to make a million dollars a year with my business because bigger business equals bigger problems. And she had had an experience in the past that she had run a business with a boyfriend at the time that she was now broken up from. They built the business up to seven figures a year. And the bigger the business got and the more successful it got, the worse their relationship got. And she said to me this first session, there was, I can't remember what she said exactly, but I said, I'm picking up on a belief here that you can either be successful or you can be happy in a relationship, but you can't have both. And she paused from it and she's like, well, yeah. <laughs> Like, Mm -hmm. duh, doesn't everybody know that? (laughs) And she said, you know, when I think about it, she said, my parents were both really successful professionally, did very well financially, made a lot of great money, totally worked their way up their careers. But she said they went through a horrible divorce and neither one of them really has had a fulfilling relationship since. And she said, when I think about like everyone I've known through my life, she said, I can think of two families in my entire life that come to mind that are happy and they're both stone cold broke and have no financial freedom to do anything like to travel or do fun sorts of things because they're very limited financially. And she's like, and I don't want that. So it became very apparent that she had gotten to a point where she was just just starting to consistently make her minimum that she wanted to be making with her business. And she's like, well, I'd like to make more, but I don't want to make too much more. So as we talked through this, this whole either or, it was like it became so apparent that she was keeping both just sort of at this mediocre at best level because it was almost like a seesaw effect. If one got too good or too high, then the other was going to get equally as bad or as low. And so she was protecting herself unknowingly. It's not like she was consciously setting out to say, well, I better just keep it even keeled. But subconsciously, there was this fear of if one thing gets too good, the other thing is going to be really, really miserable. And I don't want that. So I'll just keep both okay. And through our work together, within a very short period of time, things started shifting for her. And she now has been with someone who's a pretty fabulous guy who adores her for all that she is and totally supports her business and her success there for over a year now. And her numbers and her business went like through the roof. Like she had just started making consistent $10,000 months as a solopreneur and a service, like a coach service provider. She immediately went up high to where like her minimum, I think was $40,000 months. And she's had a couple where she's hit 80 or 90,000 since then. Wow. So So she recognizes now that her belief was a construct of her own mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, it was funny, even after that first session, when I kind of pointed that out of like, it seems like you have this either or she went on a trip between that call and our next one. And she came on the second call. She was like, you're not going to believe this. She lived in Europe. And I think she flew from like Germany to Portugal or somewhere, but she said, I flew to wherever. 
whatever. And she said, I noticed all these really happy couples in business class. She's like, the whole business class was packed with these couples that seemed crazy in love and happy together. And she's like, and I figured if they're in business class, they must have money and they look like they're really happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's like, I've never even noticed that before. Maybe this is possible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But her belief prior to that wouldn't even allow her to see that because... That wasn't the way it was for her. That wasn't the way it was occurring for her. Therefore, like it doesn't even get through the filter of our mind because it's almost like this doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. So therefore, it's going to just get filtered out. So many things I want to say right now. I feel like we could just, this is going to be a long conversation. (laughs) But I think what you're pointing out is the benefits of working with a coach. I think a lot of people might even have a belief, let's say, of why would I need a coach? Being a human is something I can manage on my own. That's what we're designed to do. I'm just doing it. Exactly. But I think the story you just shared really points out where someone else looking at us objectively and helping us walk through what it is we're thinking and why we're thinking it. And yeah, all of those things is so tremendously beneficial. Yes. And you mentioned just how, I'm sure you have all kinds of stories like that working with clients, but yeah. If you wouldn't mind sharing, what would you say, is that one of the most common beliefs that people have? Or is there something in working with, is there a common thread where you see that people have these false beliefs that are holding them back? Or is there something in particular that is holding people back? Yes. Okay. So first I want to say it's not so much that it's like a commonality of the belief, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a commonality of having beliefs (laughs) that stop us. And I think a lot of this relates to, I've really come in the last year or so to hone in. I've been doing this work for around 25 years now. And things have just started to click in a whole new way for me in the last year where all of a sudden, like everything just seemed to come together and make so much sense. And so for me, what I'm really starting to look at is that it ultimately, I think, comes down to this distinction of back to that quote of our spiritual beings having a human experience. It's like who we are as spiritual beings often has this inherent conflict with who we are as human beings. And it's not to say the two can't coexist. It's just that there's aspects of our humanity that tend to restrict or limit our ability to really fully express ourselves as spiritual beings. And so I really work with people on like first looking out on that spiritual side. Who are you really? Who do you say you are? Who do you want to be? Who do you aspire to be? And who are you really on a soul level? Not your identity, not who you think you're supposed to be, not who gets the praise or the accolades, but doesn't feel like you, something about it feels like it doesn't fit or you feel like a big fat fraud inside, but who are you really? And what are you here for getting to that purpose level of like your calling or your purpose? And it doesn't mean angels are necessarily going to descend from the heavens and bestow it on you, but pick a purpose and live into it. Mm -hmm. And what really matters to you? And part of that is values. And part of that is desires and wants. What do you want? That's almost always the first place I start with my clients is what do you want? And sometimes they almost look at me like I have eight heads. Like, (laughs) what do you mean? What do I want? Uh (laughs) I have that challenge too, in working with people around money as a financial advisor. Yeah. In talking about, I mean, in my opinion, money is a medium of exchange. It's something we need to function in life. And, but it's important to identify even for my clients, what is it that you want? What kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Because that dictates how we manage the resources you have and what we do with it. And I find that is such a challenging, that's even a challenging question for me. I'll be honest to really sit down because I feel like my wants shift and 
change. So is there a distinction between those temporary wants that are shifting and changing and a true purposeful want? I think there can be a distinction as when you said a purposeful want to me, I think that means what do you feel that your purpose is or what's in line with that purpose? Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, there's like a umbrella level purpose that probably has been very consistent through most of our life. But I think also as we go through different stages of life, those things change. And that's a big part of what I work with clients on as well is that sometimes they've reached this amazing level of success. They've created all these great things they've wanted in their life or they thought they wanted. And all of a sudden they get to a point where they go, do I even want this anymore? Like (laughs) this used to seem like this was going to be really great or maybe for a while it was even really great, but all of a sudden it doesn't feel as amazingly great as it used to anymore. Well, yeah. And it's almost like the wanting is the thing. The having is not the thing, right? <laughs> yes. Well, and sometimes I think that also, so that kind of leads into part of what I was saying of this conflict with who we are as human beings is that, so like as spiritual beings, I think we're, we are these perfect, magnificent, divine creations of our creator, God, universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it. To me, it's not about religion or doctrine, but just about who we are as spiritual beings. And yes, I did use the word perfect in case anyone was like, perfect? What does she mean? There's no such thing as perfect. I think that's a load of bunk too. I think we've like overly tried to compensate for like, oh, there's no such thing as perfection. I'm like, what if perfection is what we already are? What if we started from a belief that we're perfect as we are and as we're not? We're perfect for all that we are and for all that we're not. And that takes some people a while to wrap their head around. And I'm not saying that's the truth with a capital T, but to me, that's a very empowering place to stand. If I approach my life as I am already this perfect, magnificent, divine creation, then it's like... It's almost like there's no room for the fear and the doubt and the not enoughness to grow. Like you can't fan that fire because there's no oxygen for it. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, but then the human side of us is limited in our human experience. We got to live within the confines of these physical bodies that break and bruise and bleed and eventually have an expiration date. And so we have these survival needs, which are legit, but also with that, a lot of survival fears, which quite honestly, aren't always that legit because for a lot of us, you know, we're not getting chased by saber-toothed tigers or at risk of getting food in our bellies or keeping a roof over our head. And so a lot of times those survival fears or those survival intentions become more identity-driven. It's more like based on who we think we are that we developed really to make up for what we think we lack. Mm. It's so interesting to me too to be having this conversation with you as a financial advisor Mm -hmm. because I think there's so much overlap with people on their how they approach money and finances and how that overlaps with their own personal worth and their own personal sense of deserving and so forth. Absolutely. All of that comes from those limiting, not that our humanity is bad, our humanity is beautiful and magnificent and fabulous, even in its messiness and smelliness and grossness sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's part of those limiting aspects of our humanity. And so what I really have been getting very passionate about is helping people, one, to get clear on who they are as these spiritual beings. Who are you? What are you here for? What do you want? To get clear on what are the aspects of your humanity that can get in the way of, that cause fear, that cause doubt, that cause feelings of not being enough and not from a psychological perspective but just from a just part of our natural wiring as human beings perspective right and then how do you really mesh the two together how do you bring the two to fully integrate the two together so that you are this fully expressed fully aligned spiritual being in this human experience in the good times and the bad times that sounds Beautiful. I I love how you put all that. And as you were describing it, it almost made me think about 
how in a relationship there are two people who are distinctly separate, but the relationship itself is an expression of two people together. Yes. That's a great analogy. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is brilliant. Yes. Am I correct in thinking about it as our humanness and our spiritualness are two very, very different things? And do we have to step into one place when we're thinking about one thing and another place when we're thinking about another? Or is there an intersection? How do, I'm feeling a little like, yeah. how do I manage this now? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with this? So neither one is inherently good or bad or right or wrong. It's more, I think it's more a matter of being able to recognize and distinguish which one is driving the show, which one is in charge. Because it's interesting too, you know, I think that there really can be, I just developed a new masterclass to teach people some of these concepts and bring this all together. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I speak about in there is how there really can be overlap between aspects of how we express ourselves spiritually and aspects of how we express the identity. So like an example of this is part of my identity is like, I can overcome anything. I'm like the phoenix rising from the ashes, no matter what junk or challenge life throws my way, like not only will I survive it and get through it, but by God, I will triumph Mm -hmm. in the face of it. Mm -hmm. And when I recognized that as my identity, like first it made so many things clear, like my relationship with my ex of 14 years that in hindsight, I realized was a very toxic, emotionally disturbed relationship. And I was like... That you were going to make it work. Yeah, I was totally going to make it work. (laughs) And that's just like what married people do, right? They just have challenges and difficulties like that. And one of my girlfriends said to me after that relationship, she's like, Spencer, I watched you shrink for him. She said, when I met you, you were this force to be reckoned with and I watched you shrink for him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's so right. I was so hard on myself afterwards, not because of that comment she said, but just in general, like I almost felt like I'd been slimed or something. I was like, how could I have been so stupid? I'm smart. I'm strong. I'm independent. I'm like, I'm all these amazing things. How could I have been so blind and fallen for that and put up with that for so long? And when I recognized that identity of I can triumph over anything, I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't stupid to put up with that. I was brilliant to choose it because it gave me countless opportunities to triumph over. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean (laughs) like that I really wanted to have to keep triumphing, (laughs) but that's again, that thing of what's driving the bus, so to speak, I guess, or whatever, what's in charge. My identity made that selection. My fear-based identity, thinking that I as I am, am not enough, and I need to show the world how amazing I am by continuously rising from the ashes. And so I chose someone, I created, the situation to again and again and again be able to live out that identity. Mm -hmm. And so here's the thing too, when I realized that, I thought, okay, but I would hear myself then saying people in coaching spaces, like anything is possible and you can totally do this. And, And I was like, gosh, is that the same like overcome and rise above thing? It kind of is. It's similar in some ways, but the distinction is when I'm coming, when I'm expressing that whole anything is possible and so forth from a spiritual perspective, from that I'm this amazing divine creation that can make anything happen, it's full of power and strength and ease and flow and connection and all kinds of like amazing things. When I'm coming from it from my identity which is fear-based and trying to prove or make up for how I think I'm not enough, it's very constricting and almost like trying to force yourself into a tiny little box. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, here I said before, it's not like either one is right or bad, good or bad or right or wrong. People might be like, that <laughs> pretty clearly sounds thing. like one is good and one is bad. <laughs> 
But if you can start to even recognize in those moments, if not saying that everyone's thing is rise above, that's my thing. And I'm sure other people listening maybe have that, but there's other things too. It could be about being a super achiever. It could be about keeping control of things. It could be Mm -hmm. being the super smart one. It could be being the amazing caregiver. Like you're the Mm -hmm. supporter who always makes sure everybody's taken care of. So whatever your thing is, If you can recognize, okay, is this coming from this empowered, amazing, I really can do anything because I'm this limitless spiritual being, or is it coming from this fear-based, I need to prove something side, just even being able to recognize that helps you start to tap into your internal power and internal strength. Because a lot of times when we recognize then that the identity is running, it's like, oh, okay, maybe that's why this hasn't felt so great. Or maybe that's why things aren't working (laughs) right now. Or maybe that's why I feel like I keep butting my head up against a wall. And what do I need to do here? Who do I need to be? And how do I need to shift to do this differently? Mm -hmm. And almost every time when I'm working with a client, when something is feeling off for them, it boils down to the identity has been taking over again. And we can say, okay, what's going on? What's the fear here? Where is this coming from? And help them kind of reconnect with that true innate power that they have. And then it tends to open up the floodgates for everything to start to flow again. Yeah. And getting back to what you were saying about one being good or bad or the other, I would say, and I'm hoping you'll agree with me, that the fear serves a purpose and it's designed to help us keep us physically alive, which in order for us to be a spiritual being, having a human experience, we need the physicalness of our bodies and humanity. Yeah, so absolutely. it's almost as though in order to be who we are and where we are and, and what we're doing, there's a little bit of opposing objectives or motivations from the spiritual side mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. your identity side, but they need to work in harmony to produce the outcome that we're hoping for. Yes, absolutely. And our fear absolutely can serve us. That is what it's designed for. It's to serve us, to keep us safe, to keep us alive. The thing is, a lot of times with the identity, those fears are based on beliefs that came from thoughts when we were little. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things that a lot of times now as we're adults, we can look at and say, okay, well, is that really true? Is that like the truth with a capital T? That's the way the world is, or that's the way people are, or that's who I am? Or is that based on some old valuable, but maybe no longer accurate survival need? And a big part of it that I really like to encourage with my clients is having compassion for our humanity because it is there because it served us. It served a need at the time. And so this is where it's like, you know, I'm not looking to demonize it and say, oh, that's so terrible. That's yours. It's such a slave to your humanity. It's more a matter of saying, okay, let's see it for what it is, have compassion for it and look at, okay, is it serving you in the ways that you want it to be serving you? Or is it serving some old survival need that actually actually is working counter to what you think you want now? And if so, what can we do to shift that? Yeah. And I love that you just brought up compassion because I was thinking about, can we ever stop the thoughts from coming or do we simply need to acknowledge them and recognize the source and shift our focus? In other words, I should probably stop beating myself up for having the thoughts because the thoughts are there no matter what. It's not really something we can control (laughs) or are there things that we can do to eliminate those thoughts completely? 
The first part I want to say is, yeah, a lot of times those thoughts do keep coming. And so it is sometimes just a matter of acknowledging and recognizing a phrase that one of my coaches or trainers many, many years ago used to use that still makes me laugh is thank you for sharing. Like when that little voice in your head starts yapping up being like, thank you for sharing. (laughs) And now I'm going to continue on my path. And so there is an aspect of just sort of recognizing it and not letting it mean anything per se, like not letting it be the truth or the make or break decision maker just because you have this thought. I have certainly experienced myself and seen for others where a lot of times those thoughts can fizzle away when we recognize that they were never really true to begin with. Mm -hmm. An example of this even could be like the earth is flat. You know, for the longest time, we believed with full conviction that the earth was flat. And now we know differently. Some might still question (laughs) <laughs> but I'm not going to address Most that. Most of us know differently. Most of us know differently. Exactly. So it's like our eyes once was blind, but now I see sort of thing. When the eyes are open to certain things, you go, oh, okay. A lot of times mm-hmm. those things will really just disappear and fizzle away because they just don't have any need to exist anymore. But there are things that will still keep coming back. And I've certainly had moments of this when I'm frustrated. I'm like, gosh, didn't I work through this already? Like I thought I handled this. Come on, let's move on already. And I've certainly had clients go, through the same thing sometimes. But sometimes I think some of those are lifelong lessons that we get to keep mastering at a new level. And, you know, this is another reason why, as you said earlier, I really, I'm a true believer. I think everyone benefits from having a coach. There's so much value to having a coach. And because every time you expand into some new territory, you're expanding into the unknown. And so those human survival needs kick in again. It's like, uh uh-oh, this is the unknown now. Where are the saber-toothed tigers? Is there going to be enough food here? Is someone hiding around a corner that's ready to strangle me? Like, you know, and not literally necessarily on a physical basis, but those survival needs kick in. You need to adapt into that new space to get comfortable with it. And develop mastery there. And then eventually you're like, okay, I've conquered this one. Let's move on to the next level. And you stack them into the next level and the whole mm-hmm. stuff comes up again. <laughs> mm-hmm. So is that at the end of the day, the, the way your life shifts and changes when you start acknowledging that you're a spiritual being having a human experience, are you able then to step away and recognize that more easily, thereby enhancing your experience in life and producing, I don't want to say producing because there again, that sounds like doing, but creating the life that you're hoping to create. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think this totally connects. I mean, there is producing, there is doing, like I said, that's not, it's not like it's, that's not part of it. And even this client that I mentioned that had the whole, either I can be successful and independent and travel the world and do fun things, or I can have a good loving relationship. She was not doing certain things or taking certain actions. It seemed on the surface like she was doing all the quote unquote right things, both to grow her business and to meet potential partners and the whole thing. We realized as we continued working, like there were certain steps she wasn't taking for fear of the success that might come with it that then would make the other aspect suffer. And so, yeah, it does affect all of that, really. It steps into all of that. I really appreciate you sharing so much about yourself and your own experience and your client's experience. And I would love to ask you a few questions that Donna and I really like to ask our guests Yeah, about really it's more, it could be personal, it could be professional, but it's the opportunity to get to know you and acknowledging. I love that our conversation has really revolved a little bit around a duality and finding balance, which is a lot of what our focus is on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And in that, acknowledging that 
there are certain times in our life where our focus shifts and maybe the balance goes in one direction over another. So is there some part of your life right now where you would say your attention is focused and shifted and directed at the moment? I, that's interesting when I think of it, because a lot of it for me is really making an effort to keep, to have balance in my life, to create balance in my life. Last year, 2020, with the pandemic and kids being home from school, and last year at this time in our area, they weren't in school at all, like school shut down in March, and they declared that's it until the end of the year, like through June, we're not doing anything else. And then it was sort of the waiting game of what's going to happen in the fall, like, am I going to need to legit homeschool them? Or is the school district going to provide virtual schooling or what's going to go on? And so there was a lot that I really pulled back from in my business. I felt very out of whack most of last year. And I made a very conscious decision that I was just going to allow myself to be with it, to just be in the space of it and talk about survival needs. My God, we were in the midst of a global pandemic where there was a legit threat to our survival. Right, right. (laughs) And I was feeling it. I was feeling sort of the anxiety of it. I I put on some weight that I think was also like sort of a protective barrier sort of thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so I, I really made a very conscious intention last year to pull back on a lot of things professionally and just be with my family and be present and and I'm fortunate that I had the opportunity to do that. I have a fabulous husband who he runs a business as well and does great with that. So I know not everybody had that opportunity, but I was fortunate that I did. And so this year, as I'm really, I started 2021 very inspired to step into this space. And I'm also um, very inspired right now to be working with people, especially that are on a mission to make a major impact in the world. Social change, social justice leaders, people that really like aren't tolerating, quote unquote, the way it is and are looking to create something totally new and better and different for us. And so I feel very called to that. And at the same time, I want to make sure it's not like, okay, now I'm fully on the professional stuff and I'm going to just toss away all the personal. So that I think really is my focus is like, okay, I'm, I've just created a new offer for senior executive level leaders or business owners that are on a path to make major impact out in the world and helping them do that in mm-hmm. ways that helps their life be balanced as well and really have that great professional success but also while being fully aligned with who they are and what they're here for and what matters in every area of life and making sure that I walk my talk along the way with that, that I'm living that as well and not just being like, okay, <laughs> all in on business now. See uh-huh. you, fam. See you in six months. Kids, what yeah, kids? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right. But it still requires a certain level of you acknowledge the fact that when you shifted your focus, maybe from more professional Mm -hmm. to personal in the home life in the course of last year, you gave yourself permission to do that and gave yourself grace with that. Is there something similar you're doing in this now transition period to be more focused on your work where you're giving yourself grace and how that looks? Yeah, and I think it is about making sure that I'm creating space, that I'm allowing and creating space for all of it. Even, it's interesting, even just this morning as an example, that I was just about to get on a series of calls from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. I think I'm booked solid. And my daughter had just come downstairs. They're still, they're doing virtual school. Their school district is providing school. But they're being taught by their teachers virtually. And so she had just come down to where my office was. They give me hugs between classes, which I love. They're, they're 13 and 
16 and they still come give me hugs. Oh, so I she came it. down to get a hug and I was like, Hey, I was like, quick hug. I'm going to be on calls the next three hours. And she was like, Oh, <laughs> and, she, and she's like, I was just starting lunch break. I was hoping we could hang out. Aww. And I had a little moment of like mommy guilt where I was like, Oh, bad and wrong, Spencer. Yeah. You should be spending time with her. And then I was like, you know what? It's three hours of calls. We can hang out this evening. Like, yeah. And so, you know, I said, look, when I get off calls, we'll check back in and we'll make sure we, we do something later today. So yeah. So even just like recognizing those, because I could have easily gone down a spiral of like, oh, you're such a terrible mom. Oh, you're gosh. such a liar. You're not living balance, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to jump in and right just... now and tell you that if you, you're doing something right, if you have 13 and 16 year olds who want to come and give you hugs in the middle of the day, I can barely get my 11 year old to look at me. So <laughs> I will say she was rougher when she was okay. 11 than she is at 16. So there's hope. Thank you for that. <laughs> Well, and the last question I have for you is, do you have anything that you incorporate, whether it be in your daily routine, a habit, a technique you use that helps you navigate these shifts in focus and and helps you be your best version of yourself that you'd love to share? Yeah, I think it's really important that we allow time and space for silence and for us, for ourselves. I think we tend as professionals, and I don't know if your audience is men and women, but I work with a lot of women who I think are very much like trying to be all things to all people all the time. And I think we tend to like go and go and go and do and do and do. And I find a lot of times when I give myself those opportunities, like we live kind of out in the way, way outer suburbs of a city that's like borderline country, like rural area. And so I live on a, a gravel road that I'll go walking down the gravel road out in the, you know, among the trees and the farmland and the horse farms and stuff and just walk down the road. And there's times when I'll have like huge epiphanies that will come, whether it be professionally or personally or various things. But I give myself that time just to walk in silence. Sometimes I'll walk with my husband or one of my kids. But for a while, I was trying to multitask by like listening to podcasts or listening to a course I was taking. Like, I don't want to waste this time when I'm exercising, when I could be learning something or doing. And I realized I was like, I need the quiet. I need the silence and the opportunity to just be out in nature and walk and just let my mind wander. And, and even intentionally, sometimes as I'm walking, express gratitude or just take in the color, the blueness of the sky or the rustling of the trees, just being present to my surroundings. I was a yoga instructor for 15 years as well. So maybe uh-huh. that's a little bit of carryover from that. <laughs> but yeah, that has been really helpful for me to do things like that, like whether it be a walk or taking a bath, or I tend to listen to meditations as I fall asleep. So I'll put on a, a meditation with some sort of purpose, like there was one recently on releasing negative energy because I was a little wound up about something. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll just sort of fall asleep to that. And I find things like that too seem to be helpful. And I'll notice like if I go a couple of days without doing some of these things, I start to notice I feel almost like shortness of breath or a little more anxious about things. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I bring them back in and it's like, oh, okay, I can yes. and like take time, take space, give yourself the opportunity. So important. And it's such a coincidence that you said that. I had an epiphany myself the other day. I, for the first time, because we've been in the pandemic, I've been doing Zoom meetings, everything remote, working from home. I typically in my workday would have a fair amount of driving. And I recognized the other day for the very first time in the last year, I was driving to one of my office locations to meet with a client there. And I recognized on my drive, number one, I had some of those light bulb moments and realizations. And then after I had them, I recognized, wow, 
I've gone an entire year without having what was my normal downtime for that space to think that you're Ah, describing. And for me, it was while I was in the car. Mm. And so with as much downtime as we've had during the pandemic, for me, ironically, I found maybe I had more actual space and time to think when I was working. And to your point, I think it just is a matter of being intentional about giving yourself what you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it may look different. Like some people for the, it's like rocking out to music or something. I mean, it could, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It's like find your thing and create opportunities for it. Yes. Apparently my thing is driving in the car. So I'm going to have more opportunities, (laughs) road trips. (laughs) I cannot thank you enough for talking with me today. And I would love if you don't mind to have you share with our listeners if they're interested in hearing more about your masterclass or following you on social media, what's the best way to connect with you? How can they learn more? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think, so the masterclass is accessible at transformingmillions.com. Also, my website is my name, spencersnakerd.com. And I'm also in the process of developing a sort of a a free sort of assessment that I'm going to be putting out on the website. So I hope to have that ready by the time this episode releases. That'll be sort of a looks at some of that aspect of our humanity that can get in the way, sort of helping you recognize what your kind of archetype is that can get tangled up in that and what you can do to untangle yourself from it. Oh, I love it. I'm looking forward to that. I will be visiting your website (laughs) to find out. And again, thank you so much for being on. We'll be sure to include all of that information in the show notes for anyone who might be driving themselves and listening to podcasts while they're driving, which is also a great thing. Yes. (laughs) And if you're interested in following us at Life Rebalance, the best way to connect with us is on Instagram at life underscore rebalanced. Thank you so much, Spencer. Thank you. Be well. 